0: Well, praise the Lord! I like that. Amen. Yeah. That's good. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter twenty-eight. Genesis chapter twenty-eight. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to. Genesis chapter twenty-eight. I started to say that John, the reason he come up here early, so he's going to plan on taking up two offerings. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's easily done. I appreciate. I appreciate these men. Appreciate Matt filling in. Well, we got uh, both of our other song leaders gone. Uh, they're out of town. We got several families gone out of town this weekend, but I appreciate Matt filling in and doing that. We appreciate all of you and say, Amen. Genesis chapter 28, begin reading verse 1. It says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Panadinarim, to the house of Bethel, my mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence, of the daughters of Laban, my mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Panadaram, I can't even say it tonight, unto Laban, son of Bethuel of Assyria, and the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Panadiram to take him a wife, from thence, and that he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And Jacob obeyed his father and his mother, and was gone to Panadarim. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, that he went to Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto him wives which had Mahathiel, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Nabajeth, to be his wife. And Jacob went went out from Beersheba and went uh, toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in the place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and he took and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it. Behold, the Lord uh, stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed." And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee, uh, spoken thee uh, of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was, was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou wilt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Look with me back in verse sixteen and seventeen be our text this evening. Jacob awake out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Finding the Place of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking that you'd meet with us. We thank you for the songs that have been sung and the the special played on the harmonica. Lord, giving you honor and glory. Lord, we look forward to the day that we will be in your presence. We look forward today, Lord, when the saints do come marching in. Lord, stand before you and worship you and magnify you and lift you up. Lord, I pray now that uh, you would hide it behind the cross. Lord, give me the words to say. Lord, stir my heart and stir the hearts of your people, Lord, to find that place of God and to walk with you. Have your will way in this in this time, Lord, as we preach this, pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Well you find Jacob leaving his home and family and traveling to go stay with the the family of Rebekah until Esau settles down, until he calms down a little bit. He's taken his birthright, he's taken all that that was going to come to him and and he took the blessing uh, uh, and so forth and now he's uh, he's having to go and he's having to leave uh, home and there's a a big uh, ruckus going on and yet we find that uh, as he's traveled here, unknown to ever, everyone, God has been, that, uh, he works in our lives just like he did Jacob's in many ways trying to get us to a place where we will listen to Him, where we will obey Him, where we'll do what He wants us to do. We need to find that place, that place of God where we uh, uh, get in in His presence. Uh, We don't realize that many times that God is trying to move in different circumstances in our lives to get us where we're usable for Him. I want to look this this evening, it says the Lord, first of all, the Lord was working to bring Jacob to a certain place, a certain place. The Lord was preparing to meet uh, Jacob in a special place. The Bible calls this a certain place there. in verse 11 says, and he lighted upon a certain place. He came to a certain place. And he tarried there all night, and the sun was set, and he took the, the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And notice what happens then. He's in this place, a certain place, it calls it. And he dreamed, and behold, the ladder set up on the earth, and on top of of it reached to heaven, the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest uh, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed." So he's got him in this certain place. He, he brought him here to, to basically to work in his heart and life. Jacob was moved from a place of comfort, you might say. He was at home with mom and dad, with all of his familiar surroundings. Yes, there was a tiff between him and his brother because all that he had done in robbing his brother, basically, of the birthright and the blessings. And now he's come to this place, uh, uh, an unknown place, by the circumstances in his life and by the hand of God. He brought him to this place, a certain place. This place was where Jacob saw the moving and the working of God. He he said that he seemed as though it was a ladder that reached up to heaven. He saw the angels ascending and descending upon that ladder and at the top of that was God standing there. And the Lord began to speak to him. This was a place that the Lord promised to give to Abraham and many years before this place where he had made his pillow there on the rocks. I want you to understand that the Lord is at work to bring you and me to a certain place in our lives. God is always working, trying to get you closer to him, trying to get me closer to him, trying to bring us to a certain place in our lives that he can do great and mighty things that, uh, that many times that we don't know about, uh, when Jacob took off, he didn't know that he was going to have this encounter. He didn't know that God was going uh, to visit him. He didn't know what that was going to happen. But in your life and my life, spiritually, the Lord is trying to get us to a certain place in our life where we'll look unto him. It's a place that is defined by uh, a moving and a working of the, of the God in your life and trying to change you and mold you and shape you. Every one of us, our lives has different circumstances that sometimes are are circumstances that we like. Sometimes there are difficulties. Sometimes there are struggles. But God uses those to move us to a certain place in our life so that he can do a work in our hearts and lives. Just as he was with Jacob. There was that moving there, that stirring and and trying to get uh, Jacob to that place. And the Lord is trying to get you and me in a workable situation a workable situation. This place of God was where the Lord revealed His blessings also upon Jacob. Look here in verse 14. It said, And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. There's always that certain place in your life that you got to come to in order to receive those blessings. Jacob will have never known about this, if he had not stepped out and came to that place, if God had not moved him and worked in his life, God has some blessings that he wanted to put on his life. No, sir, he says, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee. It's a place, you might say, of surrender. In your life and my life, the Lord's trying to get us to a place of surrender. Too many times we're all about ourselves. We're all about what we can get out of life. We're all about us and about us and, and what, we, what we want. But the Lord's trying to get us and move us from place to place in our spiritual life to get us to a place where we'll be surrendered unto him so that he can get our hearts and lives where he wants them. You see, years ago, before I got saved, God began to work in my heart and life by different ways to get me to where I would receive Him as my personal Savior. That's how God works. He's working, He's moving, He's trying to get you to see, trying to get you to a certain place. Different situations in people's lives. I know of different ones who who have went through traumatic times that God used that to get them to that place where they would look up, where they would receive Jesus Christ as, as their Savior or to get them to a place where, where uh, that, that He could use them again. Remember that, Eddie? God getting you to a certain place in a hospital and a heart attack and different things to get you where you're there, where you're looking up unto Him instead of down at yourself. And God does that even after you're saved. He's working and trying to get you to the place where you look unto Him. Instead of just looking at yourself and looking and trying to figure things out by your own self, He wants to get you there so He can bless you. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of obedience. It's a place where the Lord can get your full attention. Full attention. You know, when you're young sometimes, you got it seems like the whole world in front of you. seems like everything is, boy, you just got all these things you want to do and all these things you want in your life and, and you're so busy about your life and so busy about all these things. So God has to get your attention to get you to look to Him. We often speak of revival. Revival is getting to a place where God has our full attention and surrender, a place of, uh, a place where we have an obedient heart, a place where we'll surrender to the Lord, a place where He, he says, listen, uh, if you'll get close to me, I'll do some great things in your life. I'll move in your life. And we want to see that in the church. We want to see Christians doing that, different Christians uh, reaching that spot in their lives and then you see what is called a revival in the church. But could I say that we can have a revival in our own specific lives, in our personal lives as we surrender and get to that place where God could do what He wants to in our hearts and lives and draw us close to Him. That's when we, when we get to that place, that certain place. We see in this portion of Scripture that the also, the essence of the promises that God has, He's promised not only Jacob, but He's promised us. Look there again, verse 15, it says, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places where thou goest, and will bring thee again into the land, for I will not leave thee. You know, I immediately as I read it, I thought about you know the scripture New Testament. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, I'll tell you what's one of the greatest promises that you can get from God as a Christian to know that the Lord is always there. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the world does. The Lord said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he told Jacob this very same thing. But you take those promises that he was given to Jacob, and, and you can really kind of come over and look what he's doing in, in, in the Christian's life because we become a child of God. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The same promises that he gave to, to uh, uh, Jacob there. He said, well, preacher, what about the land that he promised Jacob? What kind of land are you talking about? I'm talking about the heavenly land that we got promised to us. He said that one day he's coming back and to get us. He said, I- I'll not leave you behind. I'm going to take you where I am there you may be also an eternal home a home in heaven a place that we can that we can rest eternally with the Lord and be in his presence Jacob had a pillow or had pillowed his head you might say on a rock look at verse 16 and Jacob awoke out of his sleep and he said surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not and he was afraid and said how dreadful is this place you say, well preacher, the Lord was there and he's saying how dreadful. Yeah, it scared him. It scared him. Can I tell you, sometimes when God begins to work in your life, it gets a little scary once in a while. But he's trying to get your attention and got His attention here. He said, and I knew it not and he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, notice what he says here, and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it I don't know about you but uh, I've had some pretty hard pillows but I've never had one that's quite like a rock but he pillowed his head upon a rock and he took that rock and he set it up there I've often heard people uh, make the statement over the years gone by and you don't hear it as much anymore but uh, I remember people talking about uh, just pillow your head in the Lord otherwise when you lay down at night Place your head, place your trust in the Lord. Place your heart in the Lord because God's there for you and you can pillow your your head and and there's 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 a peace that comes by being able to pillow your head in the Lord. You know, when things are going the wrong direction in your life, it sure is nice to know that God's there for you. It sure is nice to know that you can just lay down of a night and go to sleep, and God's gonna take care of whatever it is. It sure is nice to know that God never sleeps, and we can pill our heads in the Lord, and we can allow Him to do what He wants to do in our lives, and we know that it's gonna be right. We need to pill our head in the Lord. Too often, we're trying to pill our head into, in our own abilities. It may be in our own in our own checking accounts. It may be in our own jobs. It may be in our own uh, materialistic things that we have, our home, our cars, whatever. And, and we, that's our confidence that we have and we're putting so much trust in that. When we should be pillowing our head in the Lord, trusting Him, trusting Him beyond, beyond self, beyond what man can do, beyond what, you know, and, 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 I, and I don't take it lightly. I, you know, I, I've been watching this this thing, this uh, trying to raise the debt ceiling and and put you and me farther in debt all the time so they can raise our taxes more and so that they can try to say that they're paying for it and everything and then they'll raise it again another several trillion dollars and then they'll say we need more tax money they'll, they'll raise your taxes again. That's about the way it works. If you and I did I probably shouldn't say, if you and I did what the government does we would be in jail tomorrow. We'd be in jail tomorrow. Because you can't do that. But they do. And you look at that, and, I, and I've talked to different ones, and they kind of in their hands. Well, well what? You know, and did you ever notice the first thing that they say, may not get your social security check? Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing out of their mouth on any of that stuff, if they want more money. Well, if we don't do this, they're not going to get their social security check. I say we send them all home and we use their money to pay Social Security. Amen? The fact is, is that they gotta stop somewhere, but they're wringing their hands, people wringing their hands worried about tomorrow. Can I tell you something? Worrying about tomorrow will not change tomorrow. Worrying about tomorrow will only give you an ulcer and heart palpitations and, and all kinds of things and keep you awake at night. Can I tell you something? God's got it taken care of. Yeah. And if he would say, "I'm going to let you go into a depression, you know what? He'll still be there for us." Yeah. He said, "I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you." He said, "I'm always there." Some of the probably the most difficult times in this nation was through the depression times and but I also read about a lot of people getting saved and a lot of people turn into the Lord because they couldn't depend on themselves, they couldn't depend on the government and they had to learn to trust God. You say, preacher, are you saying that we ought to go through depression. I didn't say that. I, I wouldn't want to go through one. But what I'm saying is this, is that God has it taken care of for you Christian. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. There's no use beating yourself up and staying up at night and worrying about it and letting, letting Satan get you uh, beat up about it all. Hey, listen, we need to trust him and, and we need to pillow our head, as I said, in the Lord. Each of us need to pillow our heads in the Lord. Why, preacher? Because he's the rock. The Bible says he's the rock of our salvation, an unmovable rock. One that cannot be moved. And boy, I tell you what, you can pillow your head upon that rock because He's unmovable, unchangeable, and and He's a powerful God. He's the rock of our salvation. We need to find that place in our lives and pillow our heads there in the Lord and trust Him, following Him and magnify Him in our daily lives. (coughs) He set that pillow up then and poured oil on it. Look at verse 18. Jacob rose up early the morning and took the stone that he had put for for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. If you go into Leviticus, you'll find out what that's dealing with. It's dealing with consecrating something or making it holy. Setting it aside for the honor and glory of God. And so when he woke up that morning and he remembered all that had taken place of that night. He took that rock that he had laid his head upon and he set it up like a pillar and he took oil and he consecrated he poured it on it and and, and leaving it as a place that he could look at and say this is where God met with me. This is the place where, I got, where the Lord spoke to my heart and life. This is where God showed himself and revealed himself unto my heart and life. This is where God made some promises to me. This is where God said he would give me blessings. This is where God is doing something in my life. The presence of God, the place of God in your life and my life is a holy place. It's a little bit different type of rock. It's called your heart. It's a place where the Holy Spirit, which is a picture of that oil that dwells within us. He's setting us apart for the work of the Lord to bring honor and to bring glory to His name. We find that He calls this rock here, He calls it Bethel, which means the house of God. And it's a place where He's going to return to another time in His life. Verse 19 says, And He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become the temple of God. You know, we always talk about going to the church. Well, we talk about this building, but we are the church. The house of God is really here, we are the house of God. That's why it's so important that we live for the Lord. That's why it's so important that we uh, consecrate this life and set it apart for the honor and glory of God. That's why we should live for Him daily, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday. That it should be consecrated, set apart as a pillar, as a marking place, that this world, as they, as they look at that life, they can see Jesus Christ in our lives uh, as we preach this morning, that see the image of God in your life and my life. As the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we need to allow the Lord to speak to our hearts and get us to that place of consecration unto Him. But I notice here that Jacob wasn't all in yet. He was still trying to bargain with the Lord. Look at verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow. Makes a promise here. We've all done this. How many times have you been to an altar? Don't raise your hand, but how many times have you been to an altar and made a promise to God? We do it quite often, or maybe bow your head at home or someplace and make a promise to God. And he says, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, otherwise take care of the situation with Esau, then shall the Lord be my God and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house and all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee. At this point in Jacob's life you would think after he saw what he saw, after he heard God speaking to him that he would have completely surrendered but Jacob hasn't changed yet. Jacob is still a surplanter. Jacob is still bargaining He's still trying to make deals here. Look at the language here. It says, and Jacob vowed a vow saying, if, if God will. If he'll do these things that I'm about to say, he says. And then when you get down to verse 21, it says, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then he says, then, not before, but then shall the Lord be my God. He said, I've seen all that you've done. I've come to this certain place. I've never experienced this before. Lord, I've heard what you said that you would do, how you would bless me, all these things, and how that you'd make a great nation. So here's what I'm saying, God. Even though I'm at this certain place in my life, and I heard you speak to me, and I seen the hand of God moving in a dream, And even though I've consecrated this rock and said this is a holy place and call it Bethel, the house of God, if you'll do these things that you said that you would do, when I come again to my father's house in peace, then, he said, then will I make you my God. A lot of times we read over it and we don't realize the language that he's using here. He's trying to bargain with God. Can I tell you something tonight, Christian? God does not bargain. Praise. God does not bargain. You know, we, we use the old, old phrase and, and, and we use it in a derogatory way many times, uh, but it's my way or the highway. And God really looks down in a way and he says, it's my way or the highway. Because I'm not going to take your deals. God says, I'm not going to bargain with you. I've already told you what I will do. Now you can go on over a few chapters and read what takes place in Jacob's life and he he he, he gets his two wives and his children and his his, his flocks and he's been cheated, he's been He's been, uh, the same thing happened to him that he'd been doing all of his life. The bargaining has been going on. His father-in-law has been bargaining with him. If you'll uh, work for for her for seven years, I'll give you Rachel. And then when he gets and wakes up and realizes it wasn't Rachel that he gave him, it was Leah. Man, I'm going to say there was evidently some pretty darkness going on there. and then he had to work another seven years for Rachel and then he worked for the cattle and then they cheated him on the cattle and said no we want these now that they're producing more and so he's going through the exact same thing that he's been doing trying to bargain with God a taste of his own medicine but when he comes back he comes back to this place where that pillar is they poured that oil on that rock the house of God. That certain place that God met with him. This time, he wrestles with God. And I believe it's very possible that it was Jesus Christ incarnate that came and that he wrestled with. He said, I'll not turn you loose until you bless me he finally come to that certain place a second time and now he's not willing to bargain, he's not not worried about bargaining, he just wants God to take him and use him. See, preach why you say that for? Because every one of us are guilty of bargaining with God. What if you'll take care of my financial problem here? I'll do this and I'll do that. I remember years ago sitting down with somebody and they was talking about the problems that they was having in their finances and, and something and I just, and I don't, and I, I don't try to keep up with people. I don't, I don't keep, look at people's tithing records. I don't want to know them. I don't want to know them because when I stand up here and preach about something like I'm about to preach on, I really don't want you to think that I know whether you're tithing or not. I'm just going to let God hit it wherever it needs to be hit. But I was sitting there that day and, with him I, and I looked at them and I said, can I ask you a question? They said, yeah. I said, do you tithe? Well, no, no, preacher, we don't. We can't afford to. And I said, I can't afford not to. They said, "Well, we're planning on tithing once we get caught up on our bills." I say, "You know what they're doing? They're bargaining with God. God, you get us caught up, you pay off our credit cards. They had, I think it was uh, twenty-some thousand dollars on credit cards, and it's like, if you get us caught up, then we'll start tithing. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't bargain." And sometimes it's not just in our finance, Maybe it's something else in our lives. Say, Lord, if you will do this, then I will. God says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you will do, then I will do. And the whole thing is he's trying to get us back to that certain place in our lives. Now, this is real deep where he's God in your life, where he's God. And you look unto him as God. And your greatest need in your life. Jacob was trying to bargain with him. And lastly, each of us need to get to that place of God in our lives and pillow our heads on the Lord. James 4 8 says, Draw nigh to God. And he'll draw nigh to you. But then he doesn't stop there. James goes on and he qualifies that about drawing nigh to God. He says, cleanse your hands you sinners. Purify your hearts. You know what he said the last two words there? You double-minded. You know what Jacob was? He was double-minded. He'd seen God move and God made the, the promises of what he was going to do in his life. God knew that he was going to have to come back to that place and that he was going to wrestle. And he left there remembering that but continuing on like he always had. It wasn't until he came come back to that certain place in his life where God had met with him and now he's ready to surrender. He's now ready to draw nigh to God. So much so that he says I'll not turn loose of you until you bless me. And he wrestled with him until the break of dawn, of the morning, all night long. Sometimes when you get to that place there's things in your life that you're going to wrestle with that you've got to get rid of or that you've got to change before you can have those blessings of God before you can claim what God has, has offered you we've been preaching on, ble- on, on, the, on the, blessed, the blessings that, on Wednesday nights and, and that's where it is God wants to get us to those place that place in our life where He can bless and so we need to get to that place it's gonna require us to draw an eye to God. We live in a day and time when people have quit using the altar. So well, preacher, I don't have to use an altar to get a hold of God. No, I realize that. But what I'm saying is this, that we're not many times not willing to surrender, to submit, to to actually humble ourselves to use an altar. And sometimes that's what it takes to get us to that place, to get us to that place. Psalm 73, verse 20 says, But it is, a, it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord, that I may declare all thy works. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There's a place in your life, there's a place in my life that the Lord's trying to get us to. I'm not talking about necessarily a physical place out here, a town, a city, or something like that. But a place in your heart and life where you surrender to the Lord. You quit your bargaining and you surrender. And you allow him to have your life, no matter what he wants to do with it. No matter how the outcome may, may be. You're willing to give. You come to that certain place. say, preacher, when will I know if I've been to that place? Oh, you'll know. And to be honest with you, probably most of us in here have passed by that place several times. Maybe it was during a revival and you go forward and you've made that place and you get to that place and yet you're still bargaining with God. Maybe it's in the hospital waiting room with a loved one that's in terrible condition and God gets you to that place and maybe you kneel by that, that, that chair in that waiting room or go down to the chapel and kneel down there and say, Oh God, we need you and Lord, whatever you want in my life, I'm willing to do it but maybe you're still bargaining with God. Maybe it's when things in your life, whatever it is, finances, job, whatever it is, hits rock bottom. And you get before God and you begin to call on Him. But yet you're still bargaining with Him. What we need to do tonight is quit bargaining with God. Quit trying to make deals quit trying to get the upper hand in the situation and get to that place where we're surrendered unto Him yielded unto His will and not ours allowing God to take us and let us up pillow our heads on that rock that is higher than I Jesus Christ and rest and trust in that rock. Maybe tonight God's speaking in your heart and says, I want you to get to an altar and and come back to that place. And don't make any bargains. Just surrender. Whatever it is. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for bringing me to that place of salvation and these dear folks also. But even beyond that, Lord, there's that place that you want us to be. That certain place in our lives. Though it may be the same, it's the same place of surrender and consecration and a yielding and a drawing nigh to you in our lives. You may be using different situations and different things in our lives to get us there. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to yield to you. Lord, have your one way invitation for us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?